Let's take our Bibles open again to Ecclesiastes chapter 10. Last week we started looking at uh, Proverbs of Wisdom and Folly. I believe these first 15 verses of Ecclesiastes chapter 10, Solomon goes through several different Proverbs. And verses, uh, I categorized them this way. First four verses, we have Proverbs that caution the wise. Then secondly, we have Proverbs that caution the rulers in verses 5 through 7. And then in 8 through 9, Proverbs that caution our deeds. In verses 11 through 14, Proverbs that caution our words. And then fifthly, fifth, last, whatever, final, is verse 15, which cautions our actions. So there's different uh, cautions given to us in these Proverbs. And last week we looked at the first four in the first four, four verses. And so we'll review those and then we'll continue, Lord willing, looking at the next section of cautions uh, to the rulers and possibly getting on to the ones of the deeds as well tonight. So let's ask the Lord for his guidance, please. Father, again, thank you for this time to come together to pray and to worship you. Lord, I pray as we examine these cautions you've given through Solomon to us, that again, we would heed them, Lord, that we'd be careful that all we do is for your honor, your glory, and we'll thank you for it in Christ's name. Amen. Verses 1 through 4, Dead flies cause the ointment of the apothecary to send forth a stinking savor, so doth a little folly to him that is in reputation for wisdom and honor. A wise man's heart is at his right hand, but a fool's heart is at his left. Yea, also, when he that is a fool walketh by the way, his wisdom faileth him, and he saith to everyone that he is a fool. If the spirit of the ruler rise up against thee, leave not thy place, for yielding pacifieth great offenses. So let's go through these first four again. The first one showed us what? Who remembers? The dead flies in the ointment shows us what? Okay? So, and the idea of you, the ointment or this nice perfume, you get a few dead flies in there and the whole thing's ruined. So it is with a little bit of folly and he that has reputation for being wise. Dr. Comfort used to say all the time, it takes a lifetime to build a testimony and a moment of foolishness to ruin it. And there's so much truth to that, that we have to be careful. If you have a reputation of being wise, now we're not talking about having a good time and joking around at the appropriate time, but to do foolish acts can ruin your entire testimony. And once trust is broken, it's very hard to regain. So it's the little things that if we allow to slip can have a great impact on us. Then we went to verse 2 about a wise man's heart is at his right hand, but a fool's heart is at his left. And what did we learn there? Okay, wise men make wise choices. Fools make bad choices, right? That is very typical. Now, does it mean that a, a wise man can never make a foolish choice? No, but typically they're going to continue to walk right. And that's what we have to guard against is not allowing any foolishness in. Does it mean that a fool never makes a wise choice? Well, he might stumble upon one once in a while, but uh, usually he's making a foolish choice. <laughs> All right, verse 3, what did we learn there in that proverb? 
It says, When he that is a fool walketh by the way, his wisdom faileth him, and he saith to everyone that he is a fool. Everybody fell asleep by this point. Okay, now I know where you fell asleep. Uh, <laughs> when he's walking by the way, that's during everyday activities, it says his wisdom faileth him, or he lacks wisdom, he leaves it behind. Okay, so he didn't have any wisdom to begin with, but if he did, he left it at home. All right, is what it's saying. He goes out and he goes around telling everybody, Hi, I'm a fool. And we've met these people. Now, they don't say those exact words, but as soon as they open their mouth, you realize that's not a wise individual. Proverbs 13, 16, Every prudent man dealeth with knowledge, but a fool layeth open his folly. Proverbs 12, 23, A prudent man concealeth knowledge, but the heart of the fools proclaimeth foolishness. And we've talked in several ways in which then the fool proclaims that he is a fool. Anybody remember that part? What are some of the ways in which a fool says, Hi, I'm a fool. One that's always bragging about themselves, always saying how wonderful they are, always got to play top this. doesn't matter how many times you walked on the moon. They did it more and did it better. <clears throat> exactly. Okay, that's one way. How else? Did they say, hi, I'm a fool? The know-it-alls, they know more than you. Yes, they got to put you down and be condescending. Even if they don't know anything about the topic, they know everything about it. And you can tell real fast they knew nothing about it, but they're telling you everything. Okay, that's two. How else does a fool say, hi, I'm a fool? Listening to rumors. Very good. How else? Gossiping. We talked one other specific one. Okay. These are all good, and these are all ways in which people declare themselves fools. But we talked also about the one who has to talk about how wonderful their sin is, and they glory in their sin, you know, talking about their partying and getting drunk and all the wicked things that they've done, and acting like, hey, this was really a good time we had, and we all know that it is foolishness. They're out there declaring, hi, I'm a fool. All these ways are ways in which individuals declare themselves to be foolish. Now, you and I, Christian, need to be careful because some of those, if we're not careful, we can, be, we can be guilty of gossip. So if we said that's a way in which we can declare I'm a fool, then we need to be careful we're not gossiping. If being a know-it-all is a way in which we can declare we're a fool, then we need to be careful that we're not trying to be Mr. Know-it-all. Anybody remember Bullwinkle as Mr. Know-it-all? Okay. Young people are looking at me like, who? Who? And this is why your childhood was so terrible, because you didn't have Rocky and Bullwinkle. But anyhow, moving on. The application we made from that was, if a fool is so quick to declare his foolishness, then why are we as Christians timid to declare the truth of the gospel of Jesus Christ? Because we have something worth saying. So why are we timid in saying so? Number four, in verse 4, If the spirit of ruler rise up against thee, leave not thy place, for yielding pacifieth great offenses. And the lesson there was to humble yourselves to the rulers. So let's move on then to caution to the rulers in verses 5 through 7. Ecclesiastes chapter 10, starting at verse 5. This is an evil which I have seen under the sun as an error which proceedeth from the ruler, 
Folly is set in great dignity, and the rich sit in low place. I have seen servants upon horses, and princes walking as servants upon the earth. So, so these three verses point out two errors made by leaders. And the two errors can be summed up as this. Giving honor to fools over those rich in wisdom. Now, when it says rich here, I don't believe it's talking about rich in things, but rich in wisdom, okay? The other is nobility treated as servants and common servants treated as nobility. Proverbs 19.10 tells us, Delight is not seemly for a fool, much less for a servant, to have rule over princes. And so what Solomon is saying to the rulers is be careful, if you will, not to give honor to the fool that doesn't belong to the fool. Because when a ruler gives honor to a fool, what does that make the ruler look like? A fool. But also at the same time, be careful to give honor to whom honor is due. When somebody does something worthy of honor, then they should be recognized for doing so. I'll give you a for instance. You probably all have seen this guy who volunteers his time going around the city of Havelock cleaning up the side of the streets. Anybody seen him out there? Several of you have? Okay. He's out there all the time. Never asked a dime for it. Never has asked recognition for it. I have talked to the mayor on several occasions. and said, this man truly needs recognition by the Board of Commissioners for his actions. Because he's giving of his time and talents. Now, I understand in this passage we're talking about fools and wisdom. But this man is doing something worthy of honor. You get what I'm saying? He needs to be recognized for what he's doing. Sometimes I feel, though... We give the time to things that I wish we didn't have to. For instance, a couple months ago, we had our presentation by the chairman of the ABC board because we get a check from them every year. And he spent 45 minutes babbling on about all the wonderful things the ABC board does with all the money that they collect off the alcohol sales, much of which was for education against overindulgence. It's like, well, I know a better way to fix that. But <laughs> anyhow, moving on. Did we not just study an example of a roller who gave honor to a fool? As we were studying the book of Esther, was not the king given honor to Haman, who turned out to be a complete fool? And did it not, in a way, embarrass the king too? Yes, of course it did. And this is exactly what Solomon is talking about, is rulers, be careful to whom you bestow that honor upon, because it can come back to burn you. And boy, uh, Hazuerus found out, didn't he? But interesting, in contrast to that, when he gave honor to Mordecai, Mordecai made Hazuerus shine and look good. So be careful to bestow honor on another individual. I see this happen in politics as well, that sometimes a sitting official will endorse a certain candidate. But you know what the problem with that is? When you give your endorsement to somebody, 
you're essentially saying, I agree with everything you do because people are going to find the one thing they disagree with that individual and they're going to look at you and say, well, if you endorse them, then you must believe it as well. So be careful with that kind of thing. Don't be flattered by the vain speeches of fools. But as I already mentioned, as Romans tells us, render therefore to all their dues, tribute to whom tribute is due, custom to whom custom, fear to whom fear, honor to whom honor. All right, we have a little bit of time. Let's move on to the third section or third category of these um, Proverbs, and that is verses 8 through 10. And it's a caution then of our deeds. Let's go ahead and read these verses, and then I'll explain. He that diggeth a pit shall fall into it, and whoso breaketh an hedge, a serpent shall bite him. Whoso removeth stone shall be hurt therewith, and he that cleaveth wood shall be endangered thereby. If the iron be blunt, and he do not wet the edge, then must be put more strength. But wisdom is profitable to direct. So here's some caution in our deeds. Verse 8, the idea is men are often caught in their own sins. You know, everybody thinks, I'm going to be the one that gets away with it. But God has said that the sin will be revealed. He that diggeth a pit shall fall into it. Because is not sinning just like digging a pit? You ever do that, dig a hole somewhere, and then you forget you dug the hole there, and then you're walking by that way and you fall in? I can neither confirm nor deny whether that ever happened to me. Some fall in their own trap. Let's use Haman again. Haman thinking that he has this great plan to get rid of this Jew, Mordecai, and so he has these gallows built and ends up within 24 hours hanging on the very gallows that he had built for Mordecai. He got caught in his own trap. Adam Clark, in his commentary, puts it this way. He says, breaking through the wise fences of their, their throne, referring to the foolish ruler, they suffer unexpectedly themselves as when one is stung by a serpent lurking in the stones of his neighbor's garden, garden's wall, where he maliciously, which he maliciously pulls down. So be careful in our deeds. Don't break down a hedge. Don't do wrong because you're going to get caught or you're going to get burned or you're going to get bit. In other words, just do right. You know, I sometimes like hearing Dr. Bob Jones Sr. because he was just a simple man, but do right. Do right till the stars fall, you know, and he just, I mean, had very simple phrases that we still use today, but it was just do right. How hard is that? Choose to do right because men will fall into their own trap. And sin is a trap. Verse 9, men are hurt by lack of caution. Whoso removeth stone should be hurt therewith, and he that cleaveth wood shall be endangered thereby. Removing stones. God commanded us not to remove the ancient landmarks. Our society today is trying to erase all the ancient landmarks, whether it be history whether it be the uh, principles of God's word upon which our nation was founded, it seems like we're tearing down all the ancient landmarks and sometimes even literally tearing down some of the ancient landmarks that were set there for a reminder 
hey, you know what? We in the past have made some mistakes, and these reminders are put up to remind us not to make the same mistakes. That was previous generations trying to give us a warning. So what do we do with the warning? I don't like it. Tear it down. Well, how about we learn the lesson that it's trying to teach us? Learn why they put it there in the first place. Deuteronomy 19.14, Thou shalt not remove thy neighbor's landmark, which they of old time has set there for thine inheritance. Thou shalt inherit the land that the Lord thy God giveth thee to possess it. You know, you can't go out on your property and take your corner markers and pull them up and move them over your neighbor's about 10 feet. That's illegal. Don't go thinking that's the right thing to do, all right? But even in those things, it's talking about uh, the removing of stones. But Proverbs 22, 28, Remove not the ancient landmark, which I fathers have said again, as I said. Um, remember why they put it there before we go so quickly to tear it down. Then the cleaving of wood, or splitting wood. You know, anybody ever split wood? It can actually be a lot of fun. But if you do it incorrectly, you can hurt yourself pretty badly. So you got to kind of know a little bit about what you're doing. Took most dads about five minutes to teach your boys how to split wood, and then they go in and watch them do it the rest of the day. If your dad was like mine. <laughs> then verse 10. If the iron be blunt, and he doth not wet the edge... He must put more strength, but wisdom is profitable to direct. Anybody ever work with a dull axe? Okay. How much effort did it take to cut that uh, tree? A lot. Were any of us smart enough to grab a, a whetstone and sharpen the thing? Okay, some are admitting no. Others are saying yes. But a smart individual, when they're realizing, hey, my axe is dull, they're going, to put more, they're going to put the effort into sharpening the axe versus trying to still hack away at that tree. Because anybody ever use a nice, sharp axe? Isn't there a huge difference between that nice, sharp axe and that dull axe? You're saying no back there, but I'm telling you there is, because I've used both. A dull axe, you're hacking away at the tree, and hacking away at the tree, and hacking away at the tree, getting nowhere, and you're exhausted, so just keep hacking away at it because you'll eventually get somewhere, right? Well, you put a nice smooth edge on it, and man, all of a sudden, chunks start flying. It's weird. I mean, it starts taking apart. And all of a sudden, next thing you know, you're through that thing. Am I right? Yeah. Okay, so here's the point. Work smarter, not harder. The effort you put into sharpening that axe is a whole lot less effort than keep hacking away with a dull axe. It really is. Matter of fact, there's just a satisfaction about taking an axe against a whetstone and just sharpening that thing. That alone is just... Anyhow, if you've never done it, you don't understand. You understand because you've done it, apparently. There's a satisfaction in it. And then you take that thing and you start chopping away at that tree. And it's real easy. But how many things do we do that with? You know, I have some hand tools that are as old as my children. <clears throat> well, it's not, I didn't mean that bad. I'm just, my point being is some of my wire cutters, you know, it takes two men and a boy to squeeze the thing closed anymore on the wire because, and then it had at least half the wire frayed apart, especially if it's stranded wire, because they're so dull. You know what would be smart? And they're so worn, there's no sharpening them anymore. You know what would be smart? Replacing them. 
But no, I'll sit there and keep hacking away at it because that makes more sense, right? Wasting all this effort into it. And how many things in life do we do that, though? We're busy, but is it the smartest way to get it done? Is it the right way to get it done? You know, the Navy used to have a saying, there's a right way, a wrong way, and the Navy way to do everything. Because there was always, you'd always go to somebody and say, there's an easier way to do this. They're like, yes, we understand, but this is the Navy way. But this is harder than the right way. Yeah, but it's the Navy way of doing it. Anyhow, it never made sense to me that they tried to find the right way, the wrong way, and the Navy way was the hardest way possible, and that's the way we had to do everything. It made sense to somebody somewhere, I think. Anyhow, don't you like to be more efficient in what you do? Okay, now let me ask you a question. Do you think it brings God more glory when we work more efficiently? Then let's do more efficiently, right? That's the point that he's trying to get across. These are very simple warnings, and I think that's why he gives them in proverbial style, is because it makes it easy to remember these things. And by the way, just like all the warning labels on all the products you buy that you read and say, why is that there? Well, because somebody did something stupid. There's a reason why Solomon writes all these warnings here. Because we still do it the wrong way anyhow. And so we have to be warned. So the caution to the wise, a little folly can destroy the reputation of the wise. Verse 1. Verse 2. A wise man does right. The foolish does the opposite. Number three, in verse three, the fool declares his folly. And number four, humble yourselves to the rulers. Then in the verses five through seven are two cautions to rulers. Giving honor to fools over those that are rich in wisdom is not good. And the nobility being treated as servants and common servants being treated as royalty is not good. Then the caution of our deeds in verses eight through ten. Men are caught in their own sin. Men are hurt by lack of caution. And we need to learn to work smarter, not harder. So we have two more sections. Caution of our words in verses 11 through 14. And caution of our actions in verse 15. But we're going to have to stop there and we'll come back to those next week. But let's take these Proverbs contrasting wisdom and folly that God gave us through the pen of Solomon. And let's not just forget about them, but let's examine our hearts and lives and see, are we living the way God says is according to wisdom, or are we doing things foolishly? And so... I hope and pray this week you'll take these truths and examine your heart and ensure that you're living in wisdom and not folly. Let's bow forward a prayer.